0: Blog Talk Radio There is a watchman on the wall Bringing forth the written word of God to on the wall listen to the watchmen on the wall good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Good to be with you today. We are on backup mode right now as we are broadcasting live, hopefully, on Blog Talk Radio and on Facebook and YouTube. We've had some major issues with our main computer. We're going to find out what that is after the broadcast. I've got a call coming in from Houston, and we'll take care of that and see what it's all about. And hopefully tomorrow everything will be okay. But today... Right now, on this 11th day of February 2021, there is still ice out in northwest Arkansas. And through many portions of the deep south, ice has been forming. And certainly through the upper south states here, we've had a lot of ice. And tomorrow, I believe the temperature tomorrow on Friday is going to dive down to about 5 degrees. Saturday will be 1 degrees. And then Sunday will be one below, one below. So we're getting down below zero, not below freezing, but below zero. And that's kind of unusual for uh, the south. And so uh, this very unusual storm, this very unusual time brought a lot of ice, which basically turned out to be very good for some people because we didn't have to worry about – certain things we've all been able to stay home and relax take it easy yesterday was Patricia Joy Xavier's birthday and we had just a wonderful time spending quiet time hardly budging and we're probably going to do the same thing today because there's nowhere to go you can't get in your car the streets are full of ice and uh, the temperatures will boom here to about 29 or 30 degrees a little later this afternoon and we hope that that will at least alleviate some of the ice so we can get out and about and do things that we'd like to do, like have our Bible studies and some other stuff. So we're going to move through the day, but I wanted to talk with you for just a moment about a very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to kind of launch from John chapter 4 into our discussion today, and we'll kind of bring it into the global aspect of things. Uh, You remember the story— about a woman that went to a well. You remember the Samaritan woman who went to a well, and Jesus had sent the disciples away to go get some food. And while they were away, he sat on this well in Samaria. And a woman came out to the well, and a conversation began. And I'll read a little bit of the conversation here out of this Uh, New Living Translation. But I'd rather just speak to you from my heart on it, because you can go out and do the research on it. So this woman, she comes out to the well, and uh, she sees the Lord, and while she's drawing water out of the well, the Lord says, please give me something to drink. And the woman says to the Lord, well, why are you being a Jew Talking to me, a Samaritan. You know that the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans because the Jewish people consider the Samaritans to be very low class. They had problems, they had conflict. Okay, and so Jesus says to her, basically, well, if you knew who it was that's asking you for water and the gift of God, uh, you would have asked, and he would have given you living waters. And she begins this conversation by perceiving maybe he's a prophet, etc., etc., and. The Lord talks to her in a in a way. Now, I want you to get behind the scenes with me for just a moment. This woman has been coming to this well every single day for who knows how long to draw water out of the well so that she can have enough water for the day to do and take care of business, whatever that was. And while the Lord is talking to her, she begins her boast about her Coming to the well that belonged to Jacob That this was Jacob's well And how Jacob And his cattle and his family And his children uh, They all drank from this well And what she's basically doing She has this momentary boast Even though She's rather bored with the conversation um, she's, she's, She's bored with her way of life But she's standing on something that she At least has And Jesus is bringing her to a place, and he said, listen, if you keep drawing water out of this well, you're always going to be thirsty. He said, but I have water for you to drink that you'll never thirst again. And of course, she says, Lord, give me this water. And the Lord begins to speak to her, and he says, okay, go get your husband. And she says, i don't have a husband, and you could sense the disappointment in in this woman thinking that this man really has something for her i mean he 's telling her things like the, who the true worshipers of God will be, and neither in Jerusalem nor on this mountain will you worship, but God is looking for people to worship him in spirit and truth and uh, so he 's going through this big conversation and he 's got her attention, and um, she 's kind of holding on to her tradition of what she 's always had and Uh, But she's really bored with life, and the Lord tells her, well, if you drink the water I want to give you, you'll never thirst again. She says, Lord, give me this water so I don't have to come to this well anymore. That's in the conversation. And she's admitting, basically, that, you know, this this is just, she's tired of it. She's tired of the same old, every morning, getting up, doing the same old thing, the ritual. And she's tired of the ritual of life. And I think there are a lot of people today that are tired with ritual, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians. They know a lot. Uh, You know, I really would like to have my Bible with me right now so I could work this through with you and study it. I left it upstairs but um, because we were trying to get the computers working. So the Lord is getting ready to shift her attention and shift her thinking. He's drawing her into reality and truth, because when he says to her, I have water for you to drink, you'll never thirst again, she's saying, give me this water, so I don't have to come to this well ever again and draw water out of it. I mean, the Lord brings this woman to a place of truth. She was boasting in tradition when she was standing as a Samaritan. It's like her culture, her background was uh, something to defend, and she was talking this is jacob 's well, and we 've got this and um, and yet the Lord brings her to this point of reality i 'm so bored with this i 'm so bored with this way of living i 'm so tired of getting up every day and coming to this same old well, and then I come back the next day and come to the same old well. Jesus is now beginning to unveil to her that there 's something more to life. And he said, whoever drinks the water that I have will never thirst again. And so she wants this water. And then at a certain point in the conversation, Jesus is talking with her. And she said, I know that when Messiah comes, he's going to set everything in order. He's going to explain everything. And Jesus blows her mind by saying, the one who's talking to you is he. He. So Jesus is the Messiah. Here's the point of the story I want to get across. This woman, a Samaritan woman, the thing she has is her past, her ritual, her tradition about this well. She, honestly, is so bored with it. I mean, she got up every morning. I got to go up to the well. I got to draw water out of the well. I got to walk back to the city. And when she, let me, let me just go back for a moment. When she says to Jesus, sir, I perceive you're a prophet, remember after she said, Lord, give me this water, the first thing Jesus said to her was, go get your husband. And you could just imagine this woman going, oh, man, I thought you may have been a prophet. I thought you were really something, and now you're telling me to go get a husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. You know, like, what are you guessing in my life? I mean, if you if you were really anything, you would know that I don't have a husband. And then Jesus says to her, "You're exactly right. You don't have a husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five husbands, and the man that you're with right now, he's not even your husband." Oh, uh, now she's awakening to this intrusion into her life. How do you know that? How do you know? And In the conversation, she gets to that part where she says, I know in Messiah thing that this Samaritan woman was trained to know about Messiah. I mean, she's a Samaritan. She knows about the Jews. She knows about this. She knows that a Messiah is coming who is the savior of the world. She knows this. But can you imagine waking up In the same tradition of everyday life, going out to the same well to draw the same water, and all of a sudden, someone is there that's reading your mail, telling you everything you need to know to convince you. Can you imagine that the day comes for what she had heard about is now manifested before her very eyes? I know when Messiah comes, she says, and he says, I am Messiah. I mean, how does somebody have a knowledge of things that are coming? For example, we know end time prophecy. We know the last days. We know what's going to happen in the one world government. We've talked about it for how long? We've talked about the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked about the arising of a beast out of the pit. We've talked about Um, You know, so many different things, right, prophetically, biblically. And yet the time that it actually, literally is there, what is that like? I know when Messiah comes, I am Messiah, he said, Jesus said to the woman. I know the end times are coming. You're in the end times, for example. In other words, today I was thinking about manifestation. Manifestation. You know, and I know, we should know together, that there has been an attempt to criticize the Bible by people all over the world. And not just criticize it, but actually put it away, make it meaningless. For example, you go back in time and you realize that there were different foundations in the United States, the John D. Rockefeller Jr. Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, and the adherence to these foundations wanted to control the narrative in America by changing the history. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's just phenomenal information that's out there, and I'll tell you where I'm getting it from in just a moment, Um, as we're studying these things. But there was an attempt to bring a one-world religion, and that one-world religion had to get rid of a supernatural Christ who was born of a virgin, did miracles, resurrected. And so there was an attempt in in the rulers of these foundations that wanted to control the biblical narrative to get rid of Jesus Christ in his true form, get rid of the Bible. Thank God that throughout the history of the church age, and the history of the world, there have always been those faithful men and women of God that have refused to give up and give in to world powers, uh, even during the Inquisition or the Reformation, um, how the, uh, the leaders of those moments, they stayed the course, they suffered, and they paid the price, but they, they advanced the cause of Christ by maintaining the Word of God. I mean, thank God for people that stand in the gap. Thank God for people that stand up at the right time in the midst of persecution, trouble, trial, tribulation, whatever, um, because the attempt of world powers has never ceased to dominate. And the one thing that has always stood in the way of global domination has been the ecclesia. And that's why in these days we're living in right now, the total, absolute, unrestrained onslaught against everything called Christ and truth is coming at the ecclesia or coming against the church we're talking about manifestation today manifestation of what well the manifestation of bible prophecy you know they, they i could imagine what it was like for nearly 1900 years or over 1900 years where people were reading the scriptures and they were saying well one day israel is going to be a nation again Can you imagine for 1,900 years, people that read the words of Jesus Christ in the gospel, that they knew that there would be a time that the fig tree would put forth its branches, that there would be a time in the Old Testament when Israel would be regathered together as a nation again? And can you imagine in 1948 when that began to happen, how anybody that had been searching that out and studying that Israel would become a nation, all of a sudden they do? become a nation. And through all those years, people began to return to the nation of Israel from around the world in their return home. And to this day, now in 2021, Israel is a thriving, bustling nation. And it, it, it has a population, and it has technology, and it has a government and a capital in Jerusalem. And the, and, and this is a phenomenal thing. It's literally a manifestation of what people had been waiting for. For over 1900 years. Or go back. Before Jesus Christ showed up. Through the virgin womb of Mary. All the way back to the garden of Eden. When the prophecy was given. About the coming of a Messiah. And all the prophets from the garden of Eden. All throughout time. That he will come. He'll be born of a virgin. Thousands of years. Of people hearing about the coming of a Messiah. And then suddenly. In the dispensation of the fullness of times, God sent his son, or in the fullness of time, Galatians 4 singular, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law. That was the dispensation of the fullness of time. That was the exact moment in the economy of God that God said, now release the one that they've been talking about for 4,000 years. Imagine that. And all of a sudden you have manifestation. Manifestation of something that people had waited for. Manifestation. The woman knew at the well of a Messiah. And all of a sudden, the Messiah. Now, you could imagine her thinking, her technology, her knowledge base about who Messiah was. And she probably thought, I have nothing to do with it. I hear he's coming. It's going to be really awesome. He's going to set everything in order. But what do I have to do with him? I'm a woman that's had five husbands, I'm with a man. He's not even my husband today. I'm a, you know, I'm pretty worthless. Probably you get the feel about this woman. Why are you even dealing with us Samaritans? We're lowly people. You know, she probably thought that this whole teaching of Messiah was uh, a grandiose idea, but it really had nothing to do with her personally. And yet Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah for 4,000 years, is now standing before her, asking her, Or a cup of water Hmm. You see I believe That Manifestation Is about To come forth What manifestation Has God ever made a promise to you Whether in his word or by a rhema word to your heart Prophetic word manifestation the promises of god in scripture the things that he foretold us that would come manifestation you see i don't have an expectation now, i could be wrong we all could be wrong the jews thought yeshua was going to come a certain way as a military power he came as a suffering servant we know that so people could have their theology a bit mixed up and that's possible but in our present understanding of things There's no expectation at this moment for Yeshua to return to this earth. The expectation is that he is at the right hand of God in heaven. He has already sent his Holy Spirit into our lives and told us that we would do the works that he did and even greater works. So there's a double portion reality for the people of God to move in, in our generation. I believe that's been available for 2000 years, no doubt about it, but I believe that there will come forth manifestation. I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders coming from Jesus, not the Antichrist. I believe that end-time Bible prophecy will be fulfilled. I believe the Antichrist will come. I believe there's going to be a great falling away. I believe a one-world government is going to rise to power. I believe that the seven trumpets are going to sound, and the earth is going to reel to and fro like a drunken man. I believe that God's righteous judgment against a nation that knows better is going to come forth. So I have a tremendous amount of expectation about things that are coming that are not necessarily good things for the world, but I also have promises of God given to me as an individual. And by the way, speaking about sovereignty and individuality, do you know that everything in the one world religion that they want is they want to control the narrative and take away the sovereignty of every person? And that is why... The preaching of a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and a personal touch from God in the Holy Spirit is so profound. Because if the one-worlders had their way, they would remove the sovereignty, the, uh, the, in, the individual uh, personal relationship with God, and they would want us all to be under their narrative and the way things are supposed to be done. That's what the Catholic Church was trying to do at a certain time. Remember, they, that's why the Inquisition, they don't want those Bibles out there. We're, we're going to tell you how it works. And everybody loses their personality, their, their individuality, their personal relationship with God. They're being told how God works and what God does. But the fathers fought against that, and they knew something about a personal relationship because they had one. And they fought within the context of that personal relationship with the power of God and prevailed. And you and I have to be very careful about losing the sovereignty of our personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have to know that as individuals, we have a relationship with God. And that we don't need any man, zero, John wrote in the epistles, you need not that any man teach you. Because you have an unction from the Father, the Holy Spirit, right? You must exercise the full benefit of what this individual, personal relationship with God is all about, especially in these days when narratives are shifting and everybody's vying for power and control. They want to move upon the minds of the masses. They want to control the narrative of what people say, think, and believe. But this sovereignty of your uniqueness and your individuality is exceptional when you really stop back and think about it. You do not have to conform to any religious order or any group. You do not have to conform to an ideology or a, an interpretation or a doctrine or a denomination. You are called by God as a very unique, personal individual to have a relationship with him. And it goes back to the understanding that if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus Christ would have died for you the same way he did for the whole world. And this is spectacular when you think about it. Because this woman at the well, she had such emptiness about herself. She felt nothing about her own, you know, what usefulness, her individuality. You know, the Messiah is coming, but that's probably for all the Jews and all the people. And I know when he comes, he's going to set things order, but I have really nothing to do with that. And that was such a lie because Jesus, the Messiah, was standing right next to her, talking to her. And because of it, what happens, she goes back into Samaria. She tells everybody that the Messiah has come, that Christ is here. And so while she's telling them, the disciples come back, and they see Jesus sitting at this well with the woman, right? They all come back. They've got food now, and they see Jesus sitting at the well with the woman. Oh, Lord, what are you doing? They didn't dare ask him what he was seeking. Something was different, though. Lord, what are you doing alone with this woman at the well? So she sees them coming, so she gets up and leaves. She makes her way back to Samaria to tell everybody what just happened to her. The disciples are saying, Lord, eat. He's saying, I've got food to eat that you don't know anything about. My meat is to do the will of God. And then Jesus starts telling them, hey, forget about four months from now there's going to be a harvest, but lift up your eyes, look upon the fields, and I could just see that when the Lord was saying he was turning his attention, and here came all these people out of Samaria with their white robes, that's how they used to dress in those days, the white robes, and they were all coming out, a whole massive group of Samaritans, and Jesus says, look boys, there's the harvest right there, and as they came, and they were ready to come and talk to the Messiah, Jesus starts instructing them, now take care of them. You're going to reap where you did not sow. And, he, and he's going into this huge conversation. And the Samaritan village winds up you know, saying they believe in Jesus. They take the woman. Woman, we don't believe because of you. We believe we've heard him for ourselves. And they compel him to stay for two days, right? So the Lord is there. The disciples are there. They're serving. They're teaching. They're reaping the harvest. They're telling them about the way of salvation, and here is the Messiah. What a phenomenal thing. But how did it begin? With a personal, individual encounter with the Messiah. A woman from Samaria that had no self-worth, didn't feel anything important about her, and yet that's where salvation came to a whole city. My God, because of a personal encounter, you... And I must embrace the unique and personal encounter with God. You have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Access, according to Romans chapter 5, has been granted, not because you believe to a sect, not because you belong to a group not because you go to a particular church, not because you have a particular denomination. No, that's all conformity. It's because of your personal relationship that you have with God. Then, as your personal, personal, independent relationship with God is growing, and you meet other people that have a personal, independent relationship with God, and now you gather together, and there's fellowship. Because now we could break bread together, not based upon a denominational influence, a doctrinal understanding, a theological view. No, we are now gathering together because my relationship with God is real because I've encountered him personally, and so have you. And now when you bring that all together, it's not this conformity thing, but there is a conforming that does take place, that we will be conformed into the image of the firstborn son. So I just feel so moved in my spirit to share with you that there are forces at work, and they're going to come stronger now because the Bible says that second beast is going to rise up and he's going to cause all men to worship the way that he wants you to. He's going to call for conformity among all religions. And anybody that claims a personal, unique relationship with God alone, they are the dissenters. They are the, 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 the outcasts. They are the, uh, the, the rebels. And I'm here to tell you, that's going to be the only right place to be, regardless of what they say, regardless of what persecution may come, how hard they force you to submit your submission can only be to God and to God's word, the Bible. This is it. I've got a living Bible here. And, and this is the word. This is what you have. This is what I have. Now, just as suddenly on an ordinary day that this woman, and, and again, I love getting into her character because I just see something there, and it's, it's almost hard to explain it. That when she got up that morning and she got her barrel and she walked out of the city to the well, she wasn't thinking, "Hey, I'm going to Jacob's well. I'm tapping into my traditional, uh, you know, ritual." And uh, she was bored with life, man. I don't even know if the man she was with, she loved. I don't even know if she knew what love was anymore. I mean, five husbands later, she's with this guy. She's getting the water. And, and you know, what is she thinking? Was she even thinking about the Messiah at that moment? Was she thinking of, what was she thinking about? Was her night before a hard night? Did the man she was with disrespect her, dishonor her? You know, wh- what was going on in her psyche? What was going on in her? And all of a sudden, she's at this well, and she meets the Messiah. And 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 I just imagine Jesus meeting with someone like this, is kind of a type and shadow of the day he met people like us. People that weren't really looking for him. He just kind of showed up in our lives, didn't he? Didn't he kind of just show up? Make himself known to us? Didn't we have a personal encounter with him? We had heard about him. I mean, I heard about him in the Catholic Church as a little boy, but I didn't mean anything to me. I was more focused on the Pope taking care of me. I mean, we had heard about him. People, when I was 19, started telling me about Jesus. I thought, that's nice. But I didn't really want anything to do with that because I didn't understand it. But, man, the day, the the evening that he encountered my life, that he came to me personally in my bedroom as a 19-year-old young boy, young man, whatever, whatever I was at that time, very whatever. The personal encounter did something. And I thank God that I had a pastor and an apostle and a prophet and a teacher and an evangelist in my life because God gave those gifts to train me up. But I read the Bible for myself. And most of the time, all, the only thing that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher were doing in my life is confirming what I already knew because I took time to study the word of God. I wanted to know God. I had a thirst to know God. I was thirsty. Are you thirsty today? Are you thirsty for more? Are you ready and willing and desiring for manifestation? Manifestation. How's your thirst? I guarantee if you haven't thought about it, you probably, if Jesus were to peer into you like he did this woman of Samaria, you would realize just how thirsty you really are. And it's this kind of thirst that Christ unveils that moves us to desire more. I'm thirsty. I want more. I know there's a Messiah coming. My life is in shambles. I'm really nobody. But the Messiah has encountered me. And that encounter has brought salvation to an, an entire city. Because I went, said the Samaritan woman, and told them what Jesus did for me, how he read my mail, how he spoke to me. You and I need to be vessels like the Samaritan woman. And there are so many other examples in scripture of what you and I could be doing right now. But you have to have an encounter in your life. You have to have a witness. You have to have a testimony, not a bunch of knowledge to share. Oh, I know that Messiah is coming. I know we're in the last days. I know it's the end times. I know a one world government's coming. I know persecution's coming. I know that all these things are coming and you know, I have all this. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. That's not how Jesus approached her. He said, I am. I am. So, if you don't have a personal encounter, what are you doing? You're conforming to something. You're conforming to a religion, whether it be Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, philosophy, Hinduism, agnosticism, whatever. You're conforming to something if you don't have something personal. What do you know? What have you experienced? Maybe today is a day of manifestation for you to encounter him. To encounter the Messiah I would love to tell you About my personal encounter With Messiah Yeshua In my bedroom in Rancho Bernardo 39 years ago Coming this March in April Just a couple of months A month and a half, two months from now Was the time 39 years ago That I encountered Messiah Jesus, not in a physical form like this woman, but in my spirit, in my bedroom, Dennis, in the vacuum, in the, in the dark hole in my soul. Because for months they have been telling me about Jesus Christ and his love for me and how he had a plan for my life. And I was an absolutely wandering star, man. I had no direction in my life I had no meaning to my life. All I wanted to do was whatever you do when you're 19, But he encountered me because in my bedroom 39 years ago, in the emptiness of my soul, in the darkness, and I don't even know how I got there. Just something showed me how empty I was. And I'm in my bedroom alone. And I said, God, if you're real, because I had been now contemplating, can you imagine this? I had been contemplating suicide. I'd been thinking as this 19 year old boy, because I had done a lot in 19 years, seven different high schools, 15 different elementary schools, traveled everywhere across this country, hitchhiked all over the country, hung out in Vegas, partied all over the world. By the time I was 19, I had done more than most people will ever do in a lifetime. I experienced more things than you could possibly imagine. But here I was, and I was empty. There was a vacuum, there was nothing. And I remember contemplating, what's the point of life? Why why even live? I was so empty. Why live? And at the same time, these people had been telling me for the last few months about Jesus, and I'm having this conflict going on inside of me. And I said with my mouth in my bedroom by myself 39 years ago with this internal conflict, God, if it's true, that you love me, and you have a plan for my life. You see how personal it got? It wasn't about some church or religion or anything. It was you have something for me, because that's what they were telling me. And I asked that question, if this is true, and you have a plan, and you love me, and you want to live in my heart, and I'm asking you to come in. But if you're a fable, if you're a fairy tale, which I'd been told my whole life that Jesus Christ and religion is just a crutch for weak people. Well, I was weak, there's no doubt about it. And I used every other crutch in the world, but it didn't help. I was still an empty man with a hole in my heart, a vacuum of a man. Seriously, dark vacuum, meaningless, no value. Experience is many, but none of them fulfilling. So here I am if this is real, come into my heart. And all I know what happened to me on that night of manifestation is I crawled in the fetal position on the floor in my bedroom and it was the most incredible thing. And I, in a fetal position, I began to experience something way beyond emotion, way beyond feeling. Something was happening to me internally, where the only way I could ever describe it was as though God had brought me into his heart, and he began to squeeze the poison out of my life, and I'm bursting. I'm pouring out of every orifice of my being. I'm just releasing. Something was happening to me. In this experience, while this poison was being squeezed out of me in this exception, the Lord was bringing me, accepting me. He was receiving me, loving me, bringing me to his heart. I, how do you describe that feeling? I don't know how, because it's beyond a feeling. It's not a feeling I ever had in the 19 years of my life or any other time that the world could give. I experienced something at a level that I had never tapped into before. So it wasn't just your brain made you believe something. No, something was happening to me. I had used drugs and everything else to get my brain to make me feel good, but nothing like this. And as the Lord is squeezing and bringing me to his love, because I asked if this is true, make it, show it, come on in. Well, this is happening, and all this poison is being poured out, the toxins of life. Generational I don't know what the Lord was doing, but I felt like angels were on both sides. The only way to describe it, and they were like pouring golden oil all over my body. And this experience went on, I'd say, for about 35 minutes, if I could remember 39 years ago. It seemed like forever, but I think it was about a 35 minute to an hour, who knows, on the floor, in a fetal position, experience this thing that was going on where it wasn't crying, it wasn't sobbing, it was a release. It was so unknown to me. I was exhausted. And I remember crawling into my bed, fully clothed, crawling into my bed. And I'm telling you, my head hit the pillow, my eyes closed, and it was morning. And I remember somewhere between 8 and 9 p.m. that this whole experience had happened. I'm telling you, I hit that pillow, and the moment I did, I woke up, and it was morning. And out of, in the window, I saw a light coming in, but something very unusual happened to me. I didn't wake up looking for a cigarette. I wasn't wondering who was behind me. I was silent. There was nothing. It was so still. I recognized immediately something. And I didn't think about what happened the night before. I just woke up, slept like a... Incredible. And I cautiously got out of my bed. I walked across the floor. I opened the door my bedroom. And as I walked out, I was upstairs. I was going to walk downstairs. I'm walking downstairs. All the, all the windows in the house, light was shining through the windows and light was filling the house, sunlight. And I'm just walking down cautiously, never felt. I didn't know what, what was going on inside of me. I, I couldn't describe it at the moment. And I remember opening the front door of the house. And I walked out, and there was a walkway that goes to a fence that leads you to the garage area. This is on Rimstone Lane in Rancho Bernardo, California, at my Uncle Frank's house, who I'd been living with at that time. And I opened that front door, and I stepped outside. And before God Almighty, I saw, as I was walking down the little walkway, and it was spring, and I saw the most beautiful colors in the flowers that I had ever seen before. The green leaves seemed to me to be breathing with vitality, like there was life. I could see the life in the green leaves. And the flowers and the color of the flowers was so vibrant. And then I looked up and I saw a blue sky. I had never seen that blue sky before. And that yellow sun was like yellow lemon drops And the rays of that sunshine were just shining. And I'm seeing butterflies floating by. And birds were chirping. And I'm standing there. And all around me, for the first time in 19 years, life, I stopped, stood there, and all of a sudden I remembered, ah, last night. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I had a personal encounter with God, and I realized what I was experiencing for the first time in my life was peace. I experienced godly, biblical peace, and it was there. And all of a sudden, I got so excited, this joy just began to bubble up in me, and I turned around, and I went into the house, and I got on the phone, and uh, right before I got on the phone, I opened up a Bible they had given me months ago that I would not read. It was like Chinese to me, and I remember opening it up, and I'm reading in the Gospel of John. I know that. I was in John somewhere. And it was like a thirsty man drinking. And I was like drinking this word. And I'm drinking the words of God and I'm getting it. I was like, wow, look at these stories. Look what I'm reading. And I was getting it. And now I'm so excited. I'm on the phone. I'm calling the people that have prophesied over my life. The person that told me God has a plan for you and loves you. I'm married to her today, by the way. First person that ever spoke into my life. I'm calling the people that made an impact in my life and told me about Jesus and lived out Jesus before me without beating me over anything uh, with, 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 the, with the knowledge of God's Bible. You know, just people that I saw and I thought, what do you have? I saw their life and I was like, I've never seen that before. And I pursued it and I understood it now. And I'm telling everybody. And all I know is that from that moment, 39 years ago, I started reading that Bible, and my God, did I understand it? It was like somebody wrote it. Patricia had actually prophesied 39 years ago over my life that the word of God would become tablets upon my heart, that God was going to write his word in my spirit. I didn't know what she meant at the time, but I know what she means now. I know, I know it now. It wasn't. It's just Holy Spirit. Everywhere I went, restaurants, ball games, went out, I was on fire. For Jesus why because I had a personal encounter with him personal encounter and here we are 39 years down the road 28 of these last 39 years has been spent in full-time pastoral ministry preaching the word of God You see, if you knew me before or during some of the hard times of my coming from about 19 to 29, 10 years of my training in the school of Christ, you would understand that being 28 years involved in anything is impossible, let alone 28 days for me. If I didn't like something in 28 days, I was gone. To be kept by the power of God and being made to in the last 28 years with the opposition that we've experienced against our lives is a miracle in itself. Just amazing. Why am I sharing this with you? Because we're moving into a time that I believe Messiah Jesus is going to begin to make an appearing In different forms. Remember after his resurrection he appeared to them in a different form? And I believe that some of you, maybe just one of you, are about to experience the Messiah like the Samaritan woman. You're bored with life. You're bored with going to the well. Oh, you could defend it in your tradition. Yeah, we're at Jacob's well. We got something, but it really doesn't mean anything to you hasn't changed your life one bit, your religion, your legalism, your law, your study, your acumen, your prowess, your ability, your knowledge, your all of that, you've come to a place that doesn't really satisfy anything. And it's only because you have not personally encountered Messiah, Yeshua, the life giver. And the water that I give, he said, will be in you a well of eternal life. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. My God, the day we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The one world government and the one world religion that's forming all around you, whether you believe it or not, the influences, the mind control, the conditioning is very real. And I believe God is calling back maybe a second coming. See, I had a first encounter with the Lord 39 years ago. How about a second coming of the Lord? I've had several comings along the way where the Lord is just unveiled, revealed, opened up, Holy Spirit stuff. But what about a second coming of the Messiah personally in another encounter with God for the hour in which we live? You see, I believe it's time for new wine I believe it's time for something fresh, because God is faithful to his church, his people, his called-out ones, his sons, his daughters. And I believe what you're hearing right now is prophetic, prophetic word of manifestation, a second coming your life personally we're all looking for the second coming of the lord generally but a second coming to your heart counter with your savior it would be like jesus and the samaritan woman right here he encounters her thrills her changes her world you know her life changed and so did the whole samaritan city and then the lord leaves again and She'll remember that for a lifetime. That Samaritan woman would remember that encounter the rest of her life. But could you imagine? At the end, or middle, or somewhere along the line, she encounters him again. <laughs> she encounters him again. Maybe she became a disciple and followed him. Who is this woman at the well? Maybe she was one of the women that, left the Samaritan city and became a follower of Jesus, a disciple. Maybe she just stayed close to him all those years as he ministered for three and a half years. Maybe you've been following Jesus, but suddenly you can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't touch him. You've encountered him. You have a memory of the encounter. But life has been a little rough around the edges lately. You've been going through the ritual. You've been going to the day-to-day. But man, you're saying, I'm thirsty. I'm just thirsty. There is no law that I could keep to, th- to quench my thirst. I'll just be going through the motions again. I need an encounter, King. I need the touch of the one who touched me 39 years ago. I've experienced his blessing and his touches along the way, but I'm talking about a face-to-face, an encounter with my heart again. How about you? Do you want this? Do you desire this? Are you thirsty? Are you aware of your thirst? Do you know if you just keep going through the motions every day, you're never going to be satisfied? Your job isn't going to satisfy you. Money's not going to satisfy you. Nothing in this world is going to satisfy you. Especially if you have ever tasted that the Lord is good. Oh, remember Peter said that? If you have tasted that the Lord is good, you get a touch from the Lord. It never goes away you've touched something that subconsciously internally intrinsically at whatever level you want, it's, it's it's an experience that you've had that can't be it can't be manufactured it can't be repeated by my wanting to relive it or remember it i remember the experience to a degree And remembering something back there is good, keep you going. But I'm talking beyond that. I'm talking about another encounter with the Messiah, personally, individually. How do we get there? Maybe the Lord knew this Samaritan woman better than she knew herself. Maybe her heart cry was so deep. Maybe her longing, her agony, her pain, her inward spiritual. There was something that Jesus met. And he was able to put hope back in her heart again. He ignited the flame, he spoke a word. And it did something. And she just went and told the city about this incredible thing. And I am confident that beyond the salvation, that her life with Messiah, her life with God, the she became a worshiper of God. Yeshua was the one that was bringing her to God. He was the Messiah bringing her to her creator, her father. Theologically, we get all confused about issues, but the bottom line is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Manifestation. In the world, the push is going to be for conformity. And once you yield to conformity at any level, it's hard to break away. Sometimes we get weary in the journey, and it's just easier. Just give in. You know, just, okay, this is what you want us to do. Let's do it. The vaccinations, for example, the vaccines. They're going to want everybody to conform. Gun control. Conform. These are just natural things, right, physical things, but watch how it works. Stick with the vaccinations for a moment. I haven't had a word at all about vaccinations from the Lord. Nothing, I, you know, nothing, zero, zip, nada, nothing. Other people have, but here's what I know about vaccinations at this time. And I've been learning and it's not something I'd want to take. I don't want a vaccination period. But if you don't conform to the globalization and the necessity, I had a guy tell me that was wearing a mask and I wasn't, and I said, why do you wear your mask? He says, well, because that's the only way we're going to get through this. And if you don't wear your mask, it's not going to work. So they put pressure on you think, telling you that by your nonconformance or your nonconformity, we're never going to get through this. So would you please conform? And that's what everybody wants. And so vaccination for coronavirus. Are you going to conform because that's what they want? Or do you know something from the Holy Spirit? Have you learned, studied, researched that, no, I, I'm not going to conform to this? Well, you become an outcast, a troubler, a rebel, a nonconformist. And they will hate you for that. They may persecute you for that. The day comes when they're saying, listen, gun control, we're taking it to another level. Your Second Amendment right as an American citizen is gone. There's too much violence. I'm waiting for the next great massacre so that they could use it, set something up, left their false flag, whatever it is. But they want you to conform. Give up. They want you to conform to accept abortion. It's normal. It's a woman's right. They want you to conform to accept men marrying men. Women with women They want to make you an outcast A bad person For not conforming to the tolerance Telling you right now If you do not have a personal Relationship with God Through Jesus Christ And a baptism of the Holy Spirit You will conform to everything And anything Only your personal relationship With God will keep you from conforming So what is wrong? God's law of love is enough for everybody. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no ill to his neighbor. I'm good with that. That's God's word. And by the way, my personal encounter with God was filled with the knowledge of the word of God. His revealed will. I'm not without the word of God. I hear people out there all the time, well, we don't need to follow the Bible. I have Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and the Word are one. You can't have one without the other. It's not God's plan. But you get off into these weird ideas. Conformity. People are so desperate to belong to something. They want to belong to anything. I want to belong to the... My friends at school, I want to go to school and I want to belong to someone. I want to belong to a group. I want to belong to a society. That's how people get into real cults. They shave their head. They they sell roses at airports. They drink the Kool-Aid down in South America. They put on their Nike shoes and shave their head and wait for the mothership to fly over because they belong to a group. And I'm telling you, if you are just part of a group without an encounter, you're just conforming to somebody else's. Idea, experience, belief. I am so happy that I met Jesus Christ personally, that he introduced himself to me personally. And I know that's his intention for everybody, and I don't know why some people have never encountered him, why people hate him. Well, I do know that men love darkness rather than light, and they won't come to the light unless their deeds be exposed, that they are evil there comes a time that every individual is going to have to stand alone. The day is coming that you're not going to have the group with you. You're not going to have your spouse with you, your parents with you, your children with you your friends with you, your co-workers with you. The time is coming that we are all going to stand alone following Jesus, like in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was alone, enduring what he was going through. And based upon your personal relationship with God will be the cause of the result of what that moment will be like for you. Many are going to fall away from the faith. We know that. The love of many is going to wax cold. We know that. People are going to betray one another, hate one another. Friends are going to start doing evil things against their friends that they once walked in sweet fellowship with. It's going to happen. Why? It's going to happen because the pressure that's going to be applied, and if a person doesn't have a personal relationship with God to know his will and to honor and obey his word, then they're just going to flow. They're just, they just float around. If there's somebody in your fellowship that just, you know, <clears throat> they're just non-personal relationship with God, watch out. That's trouble. That's trouble. Oh, I heard you speaking, or I, I heard this teaching, and I, I really liked it. I want to follow. No, no, it's not about following a teaching, or I heard you speaking. I'm led by the Holy Spirit, and I've showed up here because the Spirit of the Lord has brought me here. I have the witness because I have a personal relationship with my father, and he ministers to me and tells me this is the right place to be. So here we are today, and there's an acceleration. Get ready for the shifting of an acceleration of demonic activity globalization, worldliness. It's going to catch a lot of people off guard and people are going to get left behind, but also an acceleration of God in his people because of manifestation that's coming. I don't want to make anything up. I didn't make it up 39 years ago as a 19-year-old young man. I just know that I believe what God is sharing is manifestation is coming, both in the realm of darkness and the realm of light. In the realm of deception and the realm of truth. Manifestation. In other words, what I've heard is now here. Manifestation. Manifestation. And you and I don't want anything to manifest in our lives that is not from God. So we rebuke all evil intent against our lives. And we say to all evil intents, every weapon that's being formed against us, you will not prosper. There is no tongue that will rise in judgment against us that will not be condemned. It will all be condemned. It will come to zero power. We will not accept or receive manifestation of anything that is not from our Father. We accept all. That God wants to reveal to us and in us That God wants to manifest to us I remember on the third day In the wedding of Cana of Galilee In John chapter 2 That Jesus went to a wedding in Cana of Galilee And there he manifested forth his glory There's a manifestation of the glory Of God in your life That's ready to take place He's been working in you all these years to bring forth manifestation, Christ in you, the hope of glory, manifestation, transfiguration, outrage, put on display, the work of God as his workmanship in Christ Jesus. You are his workmanship, and he's been working in you, and he wants to unveil his masterpiece in and through you, power, anointing, character having been conformed into the image of Jesus Christ more and more, maybe not finished, maybe not complete, maybe so. Manifestation. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. He walked right through the midst of them. They came to kill him, and he played hide-and-seek with them. They tried to arrest him, and he was not arrested. Manifestation of the power and the glory of King Jesus in our lives. In your life He'll drive them away Like smoke driven by the wind He'll drive away your enemies According to the word of God Nothing happens To you Without God's permission Period And woe to those who labor in the satanic to try to bring trouble kids falsely, falsely, it will not go well. We may suffer for doing what is right. We may have to go through things because that's the devil. He wouldn't be a good devil if he didn't attack what belongs to God. But it won't prevail. It will not prevail. And it will be proven False and the work will be condemned. How do you live in this world? I want to read some of our hellos out here in the chat room right now, and the the number is wide open right now. If you have a testimony, you have a question, a comment, you could call 818-369-0326, 818-369-0326, and press 1 on your dial pad, 818-369-0326, press one on your dial pad i see cindy is called in today or she's in our chat room good morning Pastor vincent good morning cindy god bless you i see david david ellison seven sunday here in missouri below seven seven degrees below zero david i am so sorry to hear that are you in one piece i'm sure you are I see Keith Carey. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. I just turned to Proverbs 12, verses 12, 13, 15B, 18B, 20B, 21. And it says, but counselors of peace have joy. No harm befalls the righteous. Wow, that was earlier in the broadcast at 906. We're at 1008. This is over an hour ago. But counselors of peace have joy. No harm befalls the righteous. That is 20B and 21A. God bless us all. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Keith, an hour ago. Just confirm the word of God. Laquita, good morning. Good morning to you, Laquita. Trust you're having a blessed day today. I see my dear friend Thoth Al-Kem. He says the house of Israel and the house of Judah since 942 B.C. are two separate houses. Israel is missing. Only the house of Judah returned. Sounds like a full teaching, Brother Mark. God bless you. I see Hishola Horiomi. Cindy Mesterman inbox me. For card reading, I have a message for you. All right, Heshola, whatever your message is, we're ready to receive it. We want to hear it. We'll pray about it. God bless you. Uh, and my friend Mark says, Thoth, Isaiah 11:11 and 12, and he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Biblical generation is 40 years, been 73 since 1948. Well, they actually say in the book of Psalms, That a life is 70 years, and if by strength, 80. Hmm. Israel's 73. We could be living in the last seven years. Mamma mia. Only time will tell. Uh, Mark also said, Jesus said, this generation shall not pass. till all be fulfilled. And then one more thing. Israel today has never been young and tender, been at war ever since May 15th. Well, she shot forth her branches for sure in 1948. Young and tender as a nation. Ah, Depends on how you look at it Sarah Ankerman, honestly So tired of people being so hateful And divided based on denomination Catholics versus Protestants, etc Many have the same basis of the key Cornerstones of the faith Which is what truly matters We need to be uniting, in my opinion On who Christ is And how our relationship with him Satan wants us divided six ways From Sunday And it's working, sadly Hmm. Good point, Sarah And I agree Let's go on to another. Jesus didn't come for the righteous, but those who feel like that woman at the well. Matthew, Peter, Mary, many others. I totally agree. All right, so Keith Carey says, that next morning after being saved, okay, there was a brightness in the living room for me also. It was August 12, 1974, but Miss Songs really were as if they were new for the first time. So Keith, you had the same experience. Isn't that amazing? God bless you, my brother. Shalom to you. Doug, Agley, uh, Doug Ag- Alley, New Covenant experiences, awesome. Yes, sir. Tons of them and more to come, Doug. Looking forward to that. Um, my friend says, Dennis, supercharged. Cindy says, amen. Uh, that's Dennis Sossaman, by the way, who's going to respond here in just a little bit. Uh, Doug Alley, once again, says, it all started in the garden and going to end in a harvest, wine and wheat, for the wedding. Amen. Man, aren't you excited about it? And by the way, the first wedding that Jesus showed up was on the third day. We're in the prophetic third day. Maybe, maybe not. Time will tell. I kind of like the third day message. Praise the Lord. Uh, Doug Alley, good word, brother. Thank you, Doug. Cindy, yes, more of Jesus. David Ellison says, song, come and taste the Lord is good. Yes, he is. And I want to hear that song, David. Uh, David Ellison says, along with Cindy, not getting the vaccine. The vaccine changes your DNA. Then you're no longer God-created like the days of Noah. Mm, mamma mia. David also says the vaccine has a fluorine substance that is called luciferous, only seen by a scanner on your right hand or forehead. It's fluorescent, David meant. Woof. mamma mia. Cindy says, preach it. All right, watch out for the watching. My friend Mark comes back and he says the days of Noah, the I-G-I-G, or the Watchers, were sexing it up with the Homo sapiens, sapien women and creating hybrid Nephilim. Mamma mia, that's another conversation. All right. All right, so let's get on. How long will the true body of Christ have to prevail? against the wiles of Satan and the Antichrist system. From Kathy Bruns in South Dakota, I wonder how cold it is there. So some great comments waiting for your call, 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad. Would love to hear what God is putting in your heart right now. Because if I begin to just summarize what we've been talking about today, it boils down to one primary thought. All the information, all the knowledge, everything we know. Remember the woman at the well? She knew that Messiah was coming. He came. The most important thing in this moment is the encounter. A personal encounter with the Messiah. Now, don't get me wrong, there's balance to everything. There are people... Who do believe they have a gift of faith who have never had a personal encounter, but their faith has opened a door to experience. I wonder if there is really such a thing. Somebody has never experienced the Holy Spirit, the weight, the substance of their faith in Christ, a word, a rhema, a gift. I wonder if that's even possible, if faith can produce that. Probably so. But today we're talking about an encounter with Christ the Messiah, your Savior. You're forgiven. You personally are forgiven. You see, if you're in a group and you're just into conformity with the group, They're forgiven, but, and you're like, yeah, they're forgiven, and the knowledge is we're forgiven, but you've never experienced it for yourself, what it means to really be forgiven. And the freedom and the burden and the weight of guilt, shame, and condemnation and all reproach being laid off of your life, if you've never experienced it ever, you can't, never tasted that, that's not good. You are forgiven. Jesus paid the price as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So today, personal. Individual. You see, President Trump, on a natural plane, just fought for a nationalism. The independent United States of America, being one nation, one nation, America, under God he was fighting to bring back the republic back the individuality of america he wanted to pull away from the nafta and the united nations and globalization and sure do business around the world buy and sell but not lose your sovereignty not lose your individuality not lose your personalization. And what the world wants to do, they want to bring all of their ways into the United States and flush out patriotism, flush out nationalism, flush out independence, American thinking, ideals, values, principles, Christianity in America. They want that all gone. They want to replace it with a global mindset. That's what's going on in the world right now. And any country that was standing for individuality and sovereignty was the target of globalization. So now that the man on the pedestal has been moved out of the way, the only answer is we, the people of the United States of America, who will stand up and in the gap and fight for our independent sovereign nation that was fought for and bled for. We, the people, ought to be prophesying right now to every wicked thing going on in our country until that very vibration of our words shakes, and all of a sudden you turn the news on, and so-and-so has left the planet, and so-and-so has left the planet, and that city is gone, and not until. You see, you want to exercise authority, you want to exercise power, then do it with your voice, do it with your word and God will manifest what you have spoken. They can't arrest you for speaking. Well, they could. But if you're under the inspiration of God's spirit, and you realize that the evil, demonic, wicked, ungodly globalists are coming to kill Jesus Christ, And our Christian faith and our morality and our values and our principles take away our rights. Oh, my God, I don't know what to do. The man on the pedestal is gone. Now what? We don't need a man on a pedestal. He's still in the fight. We look to the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. We say, Jesus. Do you want us to fight for our country? Jesus, do you want us to stand in the gap for America? See, back in 2003, this is really hard for me. I heard God speak directly into my spirit and say, do not pray for America. <sighs> pray for America? No. Rather, pray For the saints of God to be able to navigate through the darkness that's coming. Well, my God, that's got to be verified in the word. So, John 17, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for my people that are in it. Jeremiah three times was told by God, Do not pray for Israel or this people. I will not hear your prayers. It was verified. In the word of God, don't pray for America. So then what are we standing in the gap for? What are we to pray? What are we to believe? What are we to fight for? What are we doing here? There was a man that was at the helm that was telling people go to the Capitol, and they were willing to do whatever he said to a degree. But he never told them, and go do anything evil. So what are we fighting for right now? Well, as an American citizen, witnessing the communistic, socialistic, globalistic, satanic agenda, emotion, knowing that this is lining up with Bible prophecy for a one-world government to lead to the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Well, we see it, so what do we do? Well, if you read the book of Revelation, you pray for the seven trumpets to begin to sound. You begin to pray for the two witnesses to raise up their voice and smite the earth with as many plagues as often as they will. You begin to shake the earth with your voice standing in the gap. What else would you do? What else could we do? We want manifestation. We want Every person on the left that is lying, that is a hypocrite, who watched for nine months, the evil that went on in this country for nine months, who are now trying to impre- impeach the president for one day of a few people walking through the Capitol building, some of them more violent, but most likely agitators from Antifa and BLM is the truth. Nine months of evil that these very leftists who are trying to impeach the president a second time are decrying January 6th. I don't know about you, but the word of God says that he hates a false balance. And if you're going to tell me that January 6th was the worst day in America compared to 9-11 after nine months of witnessing images of men on their knees and a man coming around and kicking him in the head, burning buildings, burning, robbing stores, violence, defecating. I mean, if you're going to tell me that January 6th was a really bad day. While the other people were literally inciting nine months of violence, what should happen is we, the people of the United States, should rise up and break their power. That's what should happen. Because they are hypocrites. They are liars. They are hypocrites and liars. And what should happen, the American people, the 80 million people who voted Or the president of the United States Who are witnessing this satanic deception But are aware of it Should show back up in Washington D.C. This time by the tens of millions And put an end to it That's what should happen That's what should happen That's what would happen in any normal society Where violent hypocrites and liars are trying to destroy the sovereignty of a nation. The values, the principles of life and morality. And I got news for you. Nobody else on this planet is going to fight for you. So what will God do? God will bring a force of power against a hypocritical nation. I don't know what that force of power is going to be. But God does. You see, the laws in America are based upon the Old Testament laws. Did you know that? The majority of our laws are based upon the Mosaic law. Did you know that? And did you know that when Israel had spun into apostasy, immorality, I mean, it was horrible. And then somebody cleaned up the mess, which happened to be by a man by the name of Phineas, who took a spear, went into the tent, and killed an Israeli man and a Midianite woman. And God said, I'm going to bless Phineas for the rest of eternity. That's what God said throughout his generations forever. There's a blessing on the house of Phineas, who had zeal to stop the plague that was going on in the camp of Israel. And after he had done that, then God told Moses, now go get the judges Promoted the perversion and hanged them before the people, that the people may fear. That's law. That's Mosaic God-breathed law. Now the people on the left are blaming the president for inciting. Look at the hypocrisy. They're 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 impeaching or trying to impeach the president based upon his incitement to insurrection, when for nine months they themselves incited. Insurrection, terrifying people in their home in the middle of the night, terrifying people at restaurants, showing up in groups and gangs, looting and burning and breaking. So how could anybody in their right mind capitulate to the deception that's going on in the Capitol building today? And I maintain that on January 6th, people walked through. Forgive me for the expression. It's the way I could express it. They wet their pants in fear for people walking through their capital. Well, what God is going to send is going to create a more horrible environment than that. I read to you Ezekiel 22 in Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. I read it to you. God breathed words. But the more you wait, the more you hesitate, the more you capitulate, the lie gets stronger and stronger and stronger until people are believing a lie. Due to fear or conformity, something is going to break. There will be manifestation of what I'm speaking in the last three days. There will be manifestation, not because I spoke it, but because God's word has spoken it. I don't know how, where, what. I don't understand. I wish I did. I wish I could hear the Lord give a strict command. And I have heard him say, speak, prophesy against the evil. Speak against their hypocrisy. Speak against their wickedness. And I believe if every true believer, the ones who have had encounter with Christ, would speak, clap their hands like he told them, clap your hands in indignation over what they're doing right now, there would be manifestation. From where? From who? From what? Don't have that part. But this is the greatest hypocrisy, and that's why if you don't have a personal encounter with Christ, you'll believe it. You'll actually believe that the president was leading an insurrection. You'll actually believe that the the whole voting thing was normal. You'll actually believe that COVID-19 was really bad, and vaccines are necessary. You'll actually believe that those that resist, that do not conform, are bad people you'll actually believe it. And right now, they're just throwing it out, piling it up. Do I not have a right to be angry? Do you not have a right to be angry at the hypocrisy? Nine months, they kept people. They shut down churches. They told people in church, don't sing, don't speak. We don't want your aerosol in the atmosphere separate social distance football stadiums are around gambling conceitos okay the demonstrators that marched by the thousands at the left said let them march no masks what hypocrisy but now what to do why am i here why are you here i guess we'll talk about that tomorrow i've simply run out of time i'm pastor vincent xavier it's good to talk with you And the right thing to do is to stand and to listen and to speak against the evil. Listen to what the Spirit says and speak. So we meet again. That's it for me. I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing, we'll be on a better computer situation. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Goodbye.